Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons Podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. Today's sermon is called Changes, and it's based on Romans 6, 4 through 11. The supplemental reading is Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. This is the second service in a season of Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Our worship services take place every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in our building at 819 John Adams Street, which is the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. You can also worship with us via Facebook live stream at facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. For more information or to financially support the mission and ministry of First Baptist Church, please visit our website at onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you have a a regular kind of syndicated program that you like to watch on television. Think like Jeopardy. We're going to use Jeopardy for an example uh, because I like Jeopardy and I'm good at Jeopardy. And I'm not shy about it either. (laughs) But maybe here in Oregon City, you watch Jeopardy and it's on your, your local... NBC affiliate, and it comes on every night at 7 p.m. And so Monday through Friday, 7 p.m., Jeopardy comes on. You watch Jeopardy. Uh, you you have, a, have good, fond memories of Alex Trebek uh, as whoever they, they bring on to host comes out. But then let's say you go on vacation. And, and maybe you go on vacation to California. Yeah, n- nothing exotic, just, you know, you go to California to get some sun before you come back to, to the gray. And, uh, and you're, you're sitting in your hotel room. And it's 7 o'clock. And for whatever reason, you've, you've already been out to dinner and, and maybe you've done a lot that day. So you're, you're going to turn in early. And so you think, oh, it's 7 o'clock. I'm going to watch Jeopardy. And you turn on the television, and it's Wheel of Fortune and not Jeopardy. Because in the town that you've gone to, Wheel of Fortune comes on at 7, and Jeopardy comes on at 7.30. And it's just a little change. It's just, it's a little, it's a little switch. It's not like they've replaced Jeopardy with Family Feud or something like that. And they don't show it at all. It's just now they show it at 7.30 and you kind of go, well, that's, that's different. It doesn't change the fact that it's Jeopardy. It just changes when it comes on. And sometimes there are subtle differences that, that you don't really notice. And sometimes there are subtle differences that make a big difference. In the resurrection... Everything changes, but on that Easter Sunday morning, the very first one, when the women arrive at the tomb and there's the earthquake and the stone moves and the the guards faint, Pontius Pilate is still the prefect of the Roman province of Palestine. Tiberius Caesar is still the Caesar who is in charge of, uh, of the Roman world. 
The temple is still in the same mess that it was, except now there's a ripped curtain for some reason. We know why. And God's people are still under Roman occupation. So what's changed? Well, in one aspect, it doesn't look like very much has changed. But in another aspect, everything has changed. Because it's commonly held thought that dead people don't come back to life again. And here's an angel telling the women that Jesus is alive. And then here's Jesus telling the women that Jesus is alive. Something has changed in the resurrection. Everything has changed in the resurrection. And what you see from, if you, if you take the resurrection story from every gospel, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you, you take the resurrection story, and then you start looking at, at Acts, you see what happens and what's different from the resurrection. And then you start reading Paul. And Paul is, is the, the chief, has become the chief apostle after being the chief persecutor of the church. And Paul is writing all of these wonderful letters that, and sometimes difficult to read letters, Paul needed an editor, just somebody to go over his work and, and make, some, and, and make some, some subtle changes for readability's sake, but I digress. And Paul is trying to bring together the new people of the resurrection. People who are called to participate, who have, who have put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. People who are Jews, people who are Gentiles, people who have lived all of their lives knowing the, the, the Jewish traditions and the Jewish stories and who have celebrated Passover and Hanukkah and Pentecost and all of this as Jewish holidays, as well as people who, when they go grocery shopping... They're buying meat that has been sacrificed to idols. And Paul is bringing this whole, this whole new Jesus movement together in the power of the resurrection. Because if Jesus isn't raised, then we don't have any of the rest of the Christian tradition. And if Jesus isn't raised, we are truly people without hope. And there are things that we can draw out of this. There's, there's, the resurrection is a bottomless well of meaning. It is, a, it is a deep, deep pool of good, clean, clear water that we can drink from and never get exhausted. Because it's the risen Jesus that gives us life. And so this morning we, we ask ourselves, what are some of the deeper implications, the deeper meanings, and the things that have changed in our lives and in our world because of the resurrection? And today I want to focus in on Jesus' body. We get a little uncomfortable talking about bodies. Uh, thanks to our, our wonderful, ad, wor the wonderful world of advertising, uh, we have become increasingly dissatisfied with our bodies, haven't we? 
we, we get told that either you're too big or not big enough, that you look too old or that you look too young, that your teeth are not wide enough, your teeth aren't straight enough, that your hair isn't, uh, isn't colorful enough, that your hair is, too, is not gray enough. It's exhausting. And I think it's because of that exhaustion that when, when we start talking about our bodies or when, when somebody stands up in front of you talking about bodies, we shift a little bit in our seats or it's just a little bit unusual because we're, we're just tired of hearing about it all the time. But we need to look at Jesus' body because it's the absence of a body in the tomb where there absolutely was a body. There was a body with enough certainty that the Roman soldiers were comfortable putting it in there and sealing that tomb with a heavy stone and the seal of the Roman Empire at the pain of their lives. And now this body that was in that tomb is being clung onto by the feet by two joyful women alive. We also have this list of this, this whole heap. I think that's a theological term, right? A heap, a pile of post-resurrection appearances, a collection. Let's, let's say a collection of post-resurrection appearances. We have in the book of Matthew, if you, and we're uh, in time, we're going to get to this, but later on, Jesus is going to meet with his, his followers in Galilee. And uh, in Luke, we have lots of post-resurrection appearances. And in John, we have lots of post-resurrection appearances. They even spill over into the beginning of Acts. People saw Jesus. Jesus invited people to go ahead, look at my hands. You put your fingers in the, 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 you know, the nail holes if you want to. See where they stuck the spear in my side? Go ahead and touch that. He invited people to see him, to touch him. He ate breakfast with his disciples. On the other hand, have you ever noticed that when they roll away the stone, there's no body? Jesus is already out of the tomb when the women get there. The disciples, fearing for their lives because their leader has been killed, The disciples are in hiding because the Roman kind of game plan to deal with people like Jesus, movements like Jesus's movement, was you cut off the head. And so they did that with Jesus, you know, the cross, and then go after the followers. And so Jesus's followers knew how this how this playbook went. And so they ran and hid. And Jesus shows up in their midst behind a locked door in a place that they thought that nobody else would go looking for them. We clearly see that there's something different about Jesus' body. And it's worth examining this morning. Because we all have bodies. And we all want to know what God wants us to do with our bodies. And the resurrection gives us a lot of hope about the bodies that we 
walk around and laugh in and love in and weep in and, and that we, we shake hands and we hug and we drink water and we drink coffee and we enjoy sitting around tables and sharing meals together. And if we didn't know that before, after two years of the pandemic, we definitely, definitely know this now of just how deeply we desire contact within our bodies. We also know how frail our bodies can be. We also know how easily our bodies can be destroyed. We also know how our, our bodies, it's, it's weird the way this happens, but the longer you have a body, the less good your body works. Has anybody noticed that? <laughs> I see a few nods. Uh, so what do we do with this whole body thing? And especially Jesus's body. Well, the first thing I want to point out about Jesus's body is that this is not a body. And I touched on this last week, and I, I kind of promised that I was going to talk about it this week. Well, promise fulfilled. Uh, Jesus's body was not in the tomb but Jesus also did not simply become reanimated. Before Jesus was crucified, he didn't walk through doors. He, Jesus did not do things like um, just appear to people seemingly out of nowhere. In the book of John, Mary thinks he's the gardener. In the book of Luke, uh, Jesus walks a very long distance with some of his disciples, and they don't recognize him. But Jesus does this now. And so what's changed? What's the difference? Well, the difference is that Jesus is a new creation. Jesus has a resurrected body. But there's no body in the tomb. And so what has happened is this, is God has taken Jesus's body and it has passed through death and God has remade Jesus's body into a body that works in both heaven and on earth. Now, heaven, we think of some ethereal kind of pie in the sky, off somewhere else, it's, it's not physical, it's not corporeal, that means it's, it's not bodily. That's the way we usually think of heaven. But we need to adjust, we need to adjust, you know, when the, the eye doctor does the thing, okay, one or two, three or four, and they're trying to find what the right prescription is for you. We need to adjust the way that we see this war and think about the idea of heaven. Because heaven is God's throne room. It is where God runs the show. And if you think back to Genesis chapter 1, you see heaven and earth combined. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Because God comes and goes freely from Adam and Eve's presence to somewhere else and back. He's coming and going. And he regularly walks and talks with Adam and Eve. And the writer of Genesis says that that they regularly would spend time together. Well, this is because heaven and earth are one at this point. 
that the thing, the, the rebellion of humanity had not yet happened to the point that, that we have this split. And so now, Jesus' body operates in heaven and on earth. It is a body that can be in God's presence. It's a body that is built for eternity, but also a body that is built to exist in creation. Heaven and earth are not two uh, opposite things where one is good and one is bad. That's, That's Greek philosophy. That's not Christianity. Heaven and earth are, are two, two parts of something that is meant to function together. And a lot of the pain and the sorrow that we feel and the, and the disconnection that we feel, especially when it comes to sin, especially when it comes to death, especially when it comes to uh, the, the so-called dark nights of the soul, where we don't feel as if we have that intimate connection with God anymore. That pain is from the heaven and earth disconnection. So Jesus can now function in both heaven and on earth. And this body that Jesus has when he appears to the women and appears to the apostles and ascends to the right hand of the Father is the body that we will see Jesus in when he returns and sets foot on the earth. And so Jesus isn't just raised from the dead as Dr. Frankenstein trying to animate his monster. Jesus is recreated in a new way and in a way that we too will be recreated. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Romans chapter 8. It is all through Scripture that we will be recreated in the same way that Jesus is resurrected. Because Jesus' body is a foretaste of our future. When we, through faith, die to our old way of living, die to the the way of living that doesn't acknowledge Jesus as Lord and raise to new life in Jesus, acknowledging Jesus as Lord, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the coming kingdom and God's eternal future. And at some point, and I I plan on elaborating more on this at, at, at some point in the future, I'm I'm working on my summer plans now. But at some point, we will die if Jesus doesn't come back first. And we will go to be with Jesus. And what that means is going to take approximately 25 minutes to explain. Stay tuned. (laughs) It's not going to be next week. I, I promise you that. We will go to be with Jesus. And at some point in history, there will be the great resurrection. And our bodies will be similarly remade. They won't be destroyed. They will be remade and renewed. They will no longer be animated by this frail breath that will someday run out. They'll be animated by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people misread in in some of those passages the phrase spiritual bodies, 
and they think, oh, that, that we won't, it won't be like this. But it's not a question of, of physicality, it's a question of animation. It is a foretaste. Jesus' body is a foretaste of what's to come for us, but in a, in a, in a really interesting way, according to Paul here, in the Romans passage that Gary read, from approximately a foot lower than I've read, read scripture, Paul says that Jesus' resurrected body gives us hope in our fight against sin. Because in Jesus' physical, corporeal body, Jesus did not sin. And when we die to our old selves and we are raised to new life in Jesus, even though we may not possess that body that will be animated by the Spirit and remade and renewed, we still have that life, that resurrection life of Jesus within us. And in those moments when we are tempted to go back to, to the old way of living, Jesus says, I'm here with you. I know what you're going through because I too have a body. Jesus wasn't an, an otherworldly aloof figure who didn't go through the same trials and temptations that we do. Jesus wasn't a, a perfect kind of angelic being who just floated through life. One of Jesus' best friends died and he went and cried. Jesus saw how terribly people were treating the poor in the temple and starts flipping over tables. Jesus is one of us. And because of that, we can have hope that this new life that's offered by Jesus is our life now. And that we don't go back to the old way. When the old ways appear in our lives, we say, no, that's not welcome anymore because I belong to Jesus now. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. But maybe one of the most remarkable things about Jesus' new body is it validates God's good creation. We know God created and blessed and said everything was good and humanity's rebellion broke not just interpersonal relationships, not just our relationship with God, but it subjected all of creation to the curse, to the difficulty, to the effects of sin. And Jesus could have been raised from the dead purely as spirit. And the Greek philosophers like Plato would be right in saying that the physicality of the world is bad and the spirit is good. And so we're constantly trying to release ourselves from the physicality of this world. But Jesus' resurrection says that is not so. 
Jesus' resurrection says that God still blesses his creation. God still says his creation is good. God still says that because my son is raised from the dead, because I did this, I still have intentions to renew this old world. And it's that same resurrection power that's going to renew the world. God's creation is good. And Jesus' resurrection proves it. Now, where does all this rubber hit the road for our, our everyday lives? Where, where do these tires, you know, whatever, whatever illustration you like, where does this hit for our everyday lives, for, for, for what we're doing here? First of all, your body, with all of its... The, we can all name the faults with our body. We can all name the things that we're insecure about with our body. We can all name the things that have gone wrong with our bodies. And you, know, you, you go to, to the doctor regularly to deal with those things that have gone wrong with your body. But our bodies are good. And you, as a physical human being have been blessed by God with this body because this body is made in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this body that we have now, though broken, though though at some point will fail, is still blessed to be a good creation, a very good creation, Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God has made. And so, though when we stand to sing the the final few songs, your knees may crack, your voice may give out, though your humble pastor usually needs a nap on Sunday afternoon because he's run out of energy, our bodies are still good. And our bodies are meant to follow Jesus. Our bodies are meant to bear the image of God, the loving, caring, creative image of God out into the world. And we're meant to resist sin, death, and destruction through the resurrection of Jesus. And I think it's also worth mentioning this weekend of of all weekends, Uh, Friday was Earth Day, and while that's not a a church holy day necessarily, creation is holy. God created and said it was good. And creation's in a bit of a pickle at the moment, just to put it mildly. Because we're now seeing the accelerated effects of climate change. We are now seeing the effects of reckless mistreatment of our world. And if we are good creations, if we are created and blessed by God with these bodies, and we are to reflect God's image into the world, and we want to take seriously God's original command to humanity, all of humanity, whether they recognize Jesus as Lord or not, God's original command to all humanity was take care of this place. And because we love Jesus, because we have new life through the resurrection, we should care 
not just for each other as God's creation, not just for ourselves as God's creation, but we should care for God's creation as God's creation. Because at the end of the day, we may struggle as God's creation. And we may realize that we are are still in a world that is subjected to the effects of sin, but that God intends to renew creation and to renew God's people with that same resurrection power that called Jesus from the grave. And that gives us hope, should give us hope, every day of our lives, that should give us the desire to love our neighbor well. And that should give us the desire to care for every man, woman, child, tree, river, stream, mountain, and valley that we come across. Because Jesus is Lord, God's creation is good, and God intends to make all things new. Amen.